Welcome to Revival from the Bible, a daily devotional podcast designed to help more people get into God's Word and get more out of the Word. I'm Ben Blakey. It's Saturday, January 9th, 2021. How well have you been paying attention over this first week or so of 2021 when it comes to the Bible reading and revival from the Bible? I want to find out today, so we're going to give you a little bit of a pop quiz. So I want you to go to www.revivalfromthebible.com slash pop quiz so we can see how well you've been paying attention. Are you ready? Just kidding. We're not really having a pop quiz today. But did that, you know, maybe give you a little bit of heart palpitations? Did it send you back to the 10th grade when the teacher comes in and and gives you that pop quiz that you weren't expecting to see how well you have been paying attention? Now, I was a nerd in school. Well, let's be kidding. I am a nerd. But back in the the school days, it definitely was competitive. So when that pop quiz came, I was excited, you you know, because I'm like, hey, here's a chance for me to, you know, even get farther ahead of my classmates with my grades. But I, I doubt most of you felt that way. A pop quiz was ugh, you know, it it was not an enjoyable experience. Well, we need to realize that the hardest pop quizzes we are going to face aren't going to come in an academic setting. They're going to come in the course of our lives. They're going to come uh, as we live and seek to please God, that our faith is going to be tested. And oftentimes we won't know when that's going to happen. It's not going to be like those final exams, you know, scheduled out there on that last week of the semester. It's going to come when we're not necessarily expecting it. And today we're going to look at one of the hardest pop quizzes of all time that was given to Abraham. And I hope that it will prepare us for the so-called pop quizzes that you might face this week when your faith is tested or your obedience is put to the test. And I want us to see what Abraham does and even draw some parallels with some other scriptures as we figure this out for ourselves. So let's go to Genesis as we start and looking at chapters 21 through 23. And chapter 21 gives us some very needed context for chapter 22, which is what we'll look at most in depth today. But at the beginning of chapter 21, Isaac is born. This promised son of Abraham is finally delivered. And if you do some math, it looks like the promise is delivered to Abraham when he's about 75 years old. And now the son is born when he is 100 years old. So Here's a math pop quiz. That's 25 years of waiting. I don't know. What were you doing 25 years ago? What were you doing in 1996? Right? Go go all the way back there. That's a long time to wait for something. Imagine that you were promised something in 1996 and it just came true today. Uh, That is a long time to wait, but God has been faithful and, and he delivers this promised son to Abraham. But then we get to the test in chapter 22, probably a familiar story to many. In chapter 22, it begins, after these things, God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham, and he said, here I am, He said, take your son, your only son, Isaac, whom you love and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I will tell you. 
So Abraham rose early in the morning, saddled his donkey, and took two of his young men with him and his son Isaac. And he cut the wood for the burnt offering and arose and went to the place of which God told him. So God gives Abraham this test and immediately he begins to respond with obedience. He begins to do what God told him to do. And I want you to see that he actually has some remarkable confidence um, throughout this whole scenario. In verse four, it says, on the third day, Abraham lifted up his eyes and saw the place from afar. Then Abraham said to his young men, stay here with the donkey. I and the boy will go over there and worship and come again to you. And there he, you know, he says, hey, we, me and the boy, we are going to go worship and we are going to come back to you. He, he is talking with confidence. And Hebrews 11 kind of opens up the curtain a little bit, lets us see what, what, what's going on. And it reveals that Abraham believed that even if he had to go through with this, that God would raise Isaac from the dead. He was really taking God's promises and holding on to them. He he believed this is the promised son that God has given to me. God is going to keep that promise. And whatever happens in this test, I know that on the other side of it, I am going to see God was faithful. He has just this incredible confidence and and that confidence is, is paid off And, and God, if you remember Abraham, he raises the knife uh, but then he is he is stopped. And it says, the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, here I am. He said, do not lay your hand on the boy or do anything to him. For now I know that you fear God, seeing that you have not withheld your son, your only son from me. And, and so God looks at Abraham and says, you've, you've passed the test. And, and because you've done this, or we're willing to do this, and this would be the hardest thing I could possibly ask you to do, I'm confident that you'll obey and and do everything else because nothing else will be harder than this. So it's an incredible story um, of Abraham's faith uh, and how he trusts God and the promises of God enough to pass this test. Now, you are going to be tested, probably not in this exact, definitely not in this exact same way, but you, you'll be tested in some difficult ways. And if you're going to pass that test, well, then you need to have this confidence, a confidence that God will always keep his promises. And I want to suggest today that you as a believer in, in this day and age, knowing what you know and having the scriptures that you have, you have reason even more so to be confident than Abraham did. Abraham was leaning on the promises of God. Well, you have the promises of God as well, but you also can see that the fruition really of a parallel uh, of this story uh, that you can look back on and know has happened. I, I love parallels between this story in Genesis 22 and then one of my personal favorite verses in the Bible, Romans 8 32. Romans 8.32 says, he, talking about God, he who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? And we need to be reminded that Abraham, he was stopped in the act of offering up his own son. God was not. 
that he gave up his son and Jesus Christ willingly went to the cross and died for our sins. And so just like God looked at Abraham and says, hey, because you did not withhold your son, I know that you will do whatever I ask, right? We can look at God and say, God, because you did not withhold your son, I can be confident that you will do everything that you have promised. You will do everything that you know is good for me. I can have supreme confidence in you. And even it's interesting, one thing that was pointed out to me once that I've always found interesting, it talks about Abraham going to Moriah, and that's ultimately going to be, Moriah is going to be the mount where the temple is built. And so people draw a lot of parallels there of, you know, look, this happened on the, you know, the temple mount where the sacrifices would happen. And once it was pointed out to me, it doesn't necessarily say go to Moriah itself. It says go to the land and one of the mountains I will show you. Well, not very far from the temple mount, there's another hill where a father would offer up his son, the hill of of Calvary, the hill known as Golgotha. And we think of, I mean, do I know that for sure? No, but it's an interesting thought that this could have even happened at the same place where where Jesus was offered up for our sins. And if not, it's in the same region. But it's such a powerful story that I think should give us confidence in God. So as your faith is tested today, I want you to remember the example of Abraham and the confidence that he had in God, but also to remember the example of God himself. God will keep his promises. You can know that to be true because he kept his promises to Abraham, but also because he gave up his own son. And if he has done that, the hardest thing, what is there that he would not do? And I hope that fills you with confidence and that confidence even inspires you to obey no matter what today. Well, in our next two passages, we're going to see a word that we've started to see a lot here early this year as we're going through the Bible together, and that is the word repent. So we start in Matthew chapter 4, and we're looking at verses 12 through 25 today, and we see now more of a beginning of the public ministry of Jesus Christ. And it talks about how this is going to happen in Galilee. And even it records that he kind of moves um, to Capernaum and that becomes his base of operations. And Capernaum would have been a, a village right there on the north shore of the Sea of Galilee, this, this lake right here in the middle of this region. And how this fulfills the, the prophecy in Isaiah chapter 9 of this great light being shown in this land of Galilee. But then what is the first recorded sentence that we see Jesus saying here in his public ministry in verse 17? From that time, Jesus began to preach saying, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. The first word out of his mouth here in the gospel of Matthew is repent. He is calling people to turn because the kingdom of heaven is at hand. He is there. A new age is about to dawn through the incarnation and the ministry of Jesus Christ. And it is urgent that he calls people to repent. And then we see him 
gathering his disciples. We see him ministering to great crowds. But then these disciples that he gathers, one of them here is Simon Peter, that they're going to be giving that same cry. And so now we go to Acts chapter 3 and we finish the chapter with verses 11 through 26. And you remember yesterday, they healed the lame man. That obviously stirs up a lot of attention. A lot of people want to know what's going on here. And so now it is a preaching opportunity. And as Peter preaches to these people, he calls them to repent. And in verse 19, he says, repent therefore and turn back that your sins may be blotted out, that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord and that he may send the Christ appointed for you, Jesus, whom heaven must receive until the time for restoring all the things about which God spoke by the mouth of the holy prophets long ago. And that's even, you know, he, he connects it all, you know, hey, you need to repent uh, so that your sins can be forgiven and so that Christ can come back. And that's something even we see in Second Peter chapter 3. The reason Christ hasn't come back yet is he wants to give more people an opportunity to repent. So again, we start seeing this word be very, very central to the ministry of John the Baptist, to the ministry of Jesus himself, to the ministry of the apostles. And it should be a word that's central in the ministry of our churches and in our lives. And I hope we do see the desperate need our culture has of repentance. We want to see our nation turn from sin, to change this trajectory that it's on. But that's not going to happen without individuals. It's going to have to start on the individual level of people turning from their sin and putting their faith in the Messiah. So one thing I want to just challenge you to do is to pray, to pray that we would see repentance happen around us. And I want to challenge you, if you have not repented, if you have not turned from your sin to give your life to Christ and put your faith in him as Lord and Savior, today needs to be that day. Right now needs to be that time. But be praying that in your own life, in your own neighborhood, at your own workplace, and through your own church, that God would be bringing souls to repentance and that they would be boldly called to turn from their sin and trust in Christ. This is such an important thing and we need to see it. Uh, Finally, we look at Psalm 6 today. And again, the the psalmist here, uh, again, David seems to really be in a tough spot. He he is uh, crying out for grace. And in verse 6, he says, I am weary with my moaning. Every night I flood my bed with tears. I trench my couch with my weeping. I mean, this is a tough place. But He ends on a note of confidence. In verse 9, it says, The Lord has heard my plea. The Lord accepts my prayer. All my enemies shall be ashamed and greatly troubled. They shall turn back and be put to shame in a moment. He ends with confidence and we can end with confidence today as we consider everything that we have learned, as we remember that God the Father did not spare his own son, but freely gave him up for us all. How will he also not, how how will he also not along with him give us all things? May we leave today with confidence and may that confidence lead us to obedience no matter what the test. Thanks for digging into God's word with me today on Revival from the Bible. For more resources, check out revivalfromthebible.com. To learn more about Compass Bible Church Treasure Valley, go to compassbible.tv. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you.